0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and cultivators, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Arts Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Jonathan Thunder. Jonathan infuses his personal lens with real-time world experience using a wide range of mediums. He is known for his surreal paintings, his digital animated films, and installations in which he addresses subject matter of personal experience and social commentary. Jonathan is an world member of the Red Lake Band of Ojibwe and makes his home and studio in Duluth, Minnesota. He has attended the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and studied visual effects and motion graphics in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the Art Institute International. His work has been featured in many states, regional, and national exhibitions, as well as in local and international publications. Thunder is the recipient of the 2021 Pollock Krasner Foundation Award for his risk-taking in painting. Since his first solo exhibition in 2004, he has won several awards for his short films in national and international competitions. His painting and digital work is in the permanent collections of multiple museums and universities. This is a really fun conversation. Uh, It's always great to chat with another film person. And so, yeah, let's jump into this conversation with Jonathan Thunder. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us at 5 Plain Questions. It's really great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me on as a guest. Uh, Would you be able to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, where you're from. Sure. Um,
1: Yeah. Let's see where to start. Uh, I was born at a very young age. Uh, No. (laughs) Um, Well, let's see. I was born in uh, Red Lake on the Red Lake Reservation in northern Minnesota. And uh, in 1977, um, you could still be born at the small Hospital that they have there, the little IHS. Um, And uh, it sounds like not too long after that, my parents moved to the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis, and got an apartment or a duplex, you know, and started uh, work there. My mom worked for Head Start as uh, the accountant, and um, my dad went on to be a truck driver after taking some truck driving classes. But uh, I think we quickly moved out to Brooklyn Center, which is a suburb of North Minneapolis, where I spent pretty much all of my childhood and teen years growing up, um, just, uh, you know, regular kid, uh, riding skateboard, um, trying to do tricks on my bike, and 80s and 90s, so listening to, uh, you know, early hip-hop, rock and roll stuff, uh, collecting Garbage Pail Kids, uh, reading Mad Magazine. Um, And then, uh, I guess, uh, I didn't graduate from Brooklyn Center High School, but I I went on to uh, go to school in South Minneapolis at an alternative school called Center School, which was aimed at Native kids and uh, got my high school diploma there. And they told me that I should go to college to be an artist, which I thought was pretty dangerous advice. But uh, that's what I did.
0: What was it uh, those um, school officials or the the staff there? Um, what did they see the work that you're doing in school? Uh, you know,
1: it was probably the fact that I drew all over my textbooks and uh, worksheets. Um, I just like drawing it, I guess it kind of helped me think, you know, uh, it just seemed like it was something to do while I was learning. And I would enter these uh, drawing competitions. And it would be for stuff like the cover of the yearbook, you know, that year, and uh, I usually did pretty well. So I think that's why the career uh, advisor, counselor, um, Teresa, uh, that's when she showed me a pamphlet for the Institute of American Indian arts in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which I had never heard of, uh, the college or the city prior to that, but it looked amazing. You know, there were, uh, native artists, young folks, my age kids, you know, learning how to be an artist. And, uh, it looked really, uh, looked really good to me. Hmm.
0: So I understand, uh, you had your first solo show in 2004 and, uh, you know, you've, you've had a, a, really great career since then. Um, can we talk about your influences, uh, your influences early on and, uh, those, or those people are things that are influencing you today?
1: <clears throat> yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I think, um, in college, I guess, uh, at the Institute of American Indian arts. And then I later went on to study film and visual effects at another school in Minneapolis. I was always influenced by, uh, filmmaking and, uh, in particular, um, so storytelling, but I was attracted to a certain kind of storytelling. Like I I liked, uh, independent film, um, interpretive films like experimentational films uh, surreal films um, and in any uh, film where there was a dream sequence you know that was the kind of sequence that really struck me so uh, I think from somebody who was interested in creating visual storytelling uh, I wanted to um, not only be a filmmaker or storyteller in some light, um, you know, but approach my, uh, stories and visuals from that interpretive kind of dreamlike approach, uh, you know, aesthetic or composition. So, uh, dreams have always been a huge influence on me. I've always liked looking at the work of the surrealists and, uh, um the uh grandfather of painting as they say or maybe the great grandfather i don't know uh hieronymus bosch you know i always you could stare at one of these paintings forever because there's so much movement and uh different things happening there's comedy and tragedy and uh you know light and horror you know that's the that's the kind of stuff that i feel really excites me you know as an artist and uh think that that's kind of uh what inspires me to create and to um to share what what i think
0: you know i, I like to make one of the i think the the greatest losses we had in the 20th century um was a uh, salvador dolly had teamed up with disney and they were going to make a surreal uh animation i think back in the 50s and it, it just never came together and um i i i, went, I got my mfa uh in Um, visual effects uh, for film and I went through uh, the Disney Museum and they had all these um, these concept art uh, from me uh, at Disney and the things that they were going to do and so what you're describing with dream sequences and this this surreal uh, storytelling style uh, really kind of just pops up into my memory and um, I think it's a great concept for sure. (laughs)
1: That's really interesting to know, man. I I think uh, you might be one of the very few people that I have met recently that went to school for visual effects. Um, Because I remember uh, studying, uh, you know, like Cinefix magazine and reading about how they would put stuff together and just thinking about how I could use it to make this surreal, you know, like type of film uh, imagery. So... Hey, nice to meet another uh, VFX geek.
0: Yeah, right on, right on. <laughs> yeah, um, my, uh, my degree specifically is in storyboarding, but, you know, uh, the film language is sort of the, okay. the language that I speak. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, you can really tell a good film uh, if it had been storyboarded or not, you mm-hmm. know, just based on how smoothly it travels. Storyboarding is, is such a cool art form.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, let's uh let's talk about how your your career's developed uh both in college and post college.
1: Yeah. Uh man, well, let's see where to start. You know, I think in college. So, during my second college, uh the first college I went to, I studied painting and um sculpture. I took creative writing, you know, that was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And uh, I stuck around Santa Fe for a little while after leaving IAIA. And uh, I it turned out that I made a better waiter than a gallery artist. So eventually I went home to Minneapolis and uh, went back to school to study filmmaking and visual effects, like I said. But I kept painting. And, uh, eventually, um, I started to, you know, I decided that I was going to try to get out there in the gallery scene. And in those days, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the internet was in some form, you know, we're talking like 2002, uh, but, um, I just had some bad photographs of my work. And, uh, you know, just sort of like leaned up against the wall in a bedroom with like really bad lighting and probably taken on a disposable camera that I took to uh, Kmart and had them give me the pictures back a week later or something. And I would just walk to these, I would take the bus and walk to these galleries and try to talk to them. And uh, it just seemed like I was having a hard time finding somebody that liked my work, you know, and I was, I was pretty fresh out of the whole Santa Fe, New Mexico aesthetic. So, um, painting a lot of, uh, stuff that you might see, um, at art markets in the Southwest or, uh, you know, like, um, real, uh, TC Canon, uh, I guess, uh, inspired type of imagery. And I, I think that that was just too much of a specific genre, you know, for a lot of uh, galleries in the Midwest. But eventually I wandered into the Two Rivers Gallery at the Minneapolis uh, American Indian Center and spoke with a woman named Juanita Espinosa, who looked at my terrible photographs of my work and actually saw something that she might she, She seemed like she might have been able to work with it, right? So uh, she said, you know, these aren't too bad. Um, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go uh, take some better pictures of your work and make some slides? Do you know how to do that? And I didn't know how to do that, but I figured I would figure it out. So that's what I did. And I came back, and I had a portfolio of slides of my work, and then uh, typed um, artist statement, which, uh, I honestly can't, I can't even imagine how terrible that must have been, you know, in a a bio in uh kind of a binder, you know, like a three ring binder. And she said, okay, I can work with this. So I started getting accepted into some, uh, group shows locally with, you know, her assistance and meeting people. And, uh, I guess that's where it kind of took off, you know, and that was, um, I guess, uh, I would say around 2002 is probably when I started that journey. Uh, and I worked really hard. I remember working hard on my work as, uh, much as I could, um, which was kind of in the evenings and stuff cause I was a full-time student at the time. And I was actually working three jobs. I worked as a, uh, um, I worked in a video store, which was amazing to me. know <laughs> that was like one of the best jobs I ever had to this day. I swear it was so fun to just sit around and talk about movies with customers that would come in. And, uh, my section was, we all had our own section. My section was horror and independent film. Those are, those were the ones that I knew the most about. <clears throat> I also worked as a tech in the um, school store and, uh, I was, uh, doing part-time work as kind of like a a security guard, um, for the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. My job was to just kind of get in between them and big drunk guys that were trying to come in for the hug. Right. And, uh, um, so between that and being a full-time student, uh, studying film, I was, I was slowly, really slowly creating some paintings that I would submit. Um, and I would just try to, uh, make sure to show up and meet everybody. Um, even though I wasn't great, you know, like, uh, I guess being all that social, uh, I just made myself do it, you know? And I think that's just kind of been my, uh, recipe ever since is just show up and try to meet people and, uh, you know, I guess just be there. So, um, Yeah, like you said, had my first solo show in 2004 at the Two Rivers Gallery, uh, which was fitting. And that's down on 11th and Franklin in South Minneapolis. Um, I think that's the right address. It might be more like, it might be a couple blocks down from there. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that kind of, that sort of got me some some note, uh, some eyeballs on my work. And uh, from there, you know, just kind of started going on to like exhibiting at uh, institutions, schools. Um, I was still pretty fresh, though. You know, like I had a lot of uh, kind of student ideas about work. And I remember there was this gallery in downtown Minneapolis that I was determined to get into. I kept submitting these paintings that were, you know, I'd spend like 30, 40 hours on them. And then it wouldn't get accepted. And I go to the show and I was so confused, you know, because the uh, winning piece was like a painting that somebody like put black paint on their face and uh, rubbed it all over the canvas while crying and then like shot it with a shotgun and kicked it down the driveway or something, you know, and (laughs) being very technical, uh, you know, coming out pretty fresh out of art school. It just I was so confused by that. So I remember uh this lesson. Uh I didn't expect it to be a lesson. I thought it was gonna be uh sort of like <laughs> tongue in cheek. I got this two by four foot canvas. Um on the way home, I, I grabbed a couple bottles of uh, red wine <clears throat> and I just sat and spent about three hours, you know, just like not really paying attention, just kind of uh drinking that wine and making this painting. Um, and, uh, didn't really, uh, you know, try too hard. Right. Um, I submitted that painting to the, that same gallery and it got into the show. It got accepted after all of those attempts to submit that my, you know, my other work that I was spending so much time on. And I remember feeling a little, uh, raw, about that experience. I went down to the exhibit and there were people standing around it, talking about it. And, uh, I just couldn't wrap my brain around it, you know, like, cause I was so new to this whole like art world experience. Uh, you know, in school, they grade you, you know, in the art world, I don't know what the formula is. You just make it happen. So, um, Yeah. You know, I, whatever lessons I learned there, I just think I, I, I found out that whatever I thought my idea of good art was didn't matter. You know, like it just, it mattered to the viewer, you know, whatever the viewer felt when they saw it. So, um, yeah, ever since then, I think a lot of my work has been more interpretive and, uh, you know, I have some, technical areas and some areas where I just kind of like swoosh the paint around a little bit and, uh,
0: have fun with it. You know, that's kind of my approach. I was going to ask, did that experience change your approach to how you, how you created your work?
1: Yeah, I feel like it, it made me less, uh, you know, like tight, I suppose. in uh, my brushwork, um, even though I, <laughs> I do get down to those little brushes sometimes when I really need to have control over an area, but, uh, um I guess it uh, alleviated a lot of the pressure to uh, explain to the viewer every little detail.
0: So how have opportunities presented themselves to you? you know I, I think um, early on in one's career uh, we may pursue them more and then those um, those opportunities are presented in different ways as we move through our careers. I was wondering if you could uh, speak to to that experience um
1: <clears throat> well I guess like I said in those days uh you know I, I really had to apply myself to finding opportunities and uh seeing um you know what else was out there I would I would go to exhibits all over the place and you know read the paper and try to see what was happening and uh, try to meet new people um as the years have gone on and uh technology has become somewhat more uh online uh i guess it's more of a you know a mix nowadays i'll uh apply to some things that i am interested in or if i have friends that are telling me you know like, hey you should apply for this grant or that fellowship or this residency um, if it looks like fun, uh, or if it looks like I have a chance, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And actually, I shouldn't say that. Um, I usually, uh, if it looks amazing, I'll, I'll apply to something. Um, a lot of times these days, I get approached through my email or uh, social media about... Um, chances to talk about my art or show or exhibit. Uh, I guess word of mouth, you know, nowadays is is really good um, for doing stuff. And that's not just for, uh, like, I've been talking about showing paintings, but throughout the year, um, I take on a number of commissions as well. And that is uh, illustration work for uh, books um that's also uh using my uh training in filmmaking visual effects um and illustration to work with language uh instructors who teach the ojibwe language um i've uh, uh taken on commissions to uh, design animation sequences for films uh, a friend of mine in Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, who helped me with a painting exhibit and showing a few of my short experimental films, got me onto a project for that, uh, newest predator film Nice. where basically I was just helping make some drawings, you know, for the final animation sequence that ran while the credits played. And it was kind of these, uh, hides. I think they're like hide drawings or something like that. Yeah. Um, sort of uh like that ledger style uh depiction of battles between the main characters and uh, the predator so it's it's quite a it's quite a variety of things you know i just kind of that's sometimes i actively fish and sometimes a fish jumps in the net you know it's, <laughs> it's kinda,
0: i hmm. um i remember seeing that sequence uh i was not aware that you were part of that so yeah congratulations
1: Thanks. That was actually uh, a lot of fun. I never get ex- asked to uh, draw natives fighting aliens with green blood splattering around and stuff like that. So uh, it, was, it was a nice change, change of pace for me.
0: That's great. <laughs> that's great. So uh, what what would you say to the eighteen to twenty two year old that's listening to this conversation? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, man, I guess it depends on, um, you know, what they want to do, but no matter what they want to do, uh, I would just say, you know, try to pay attention. Good luck telling an 18 to uh, 20 year old to pay attention. Uh, I know that when I was that age, uh, I know I was paying attention on some level, but man, I had a lot to learn. Um, if you're looking to become an artist, I would say apply yourself, uh, fully, you know, work hard, um, look at what is happening, uh, professionally in the art world. Listen to artists who have experience, um, mentorship has been huge for me. And in my life, I've had a number of people that have just kind of, either uh, unknowingly or knowingly taken me under their wing and just, you know, like through their example or me asking them questions have shared with me uh, some good uh, advice during decisions, you know, that were impactful to my career. So uh, listen, I guess (laughs) sometimes uh, just close your mouth and open your ears and, uh, you know, that's really helpful. Right on. Yeah, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, I always like to say, always talk to strangers. That's, uh, that's another <laughs> thing that I'll tell. I'll tell today's young people, you know, get out there and meet people. It's uh, it's such a digital age we live in. I don't know that it's uh, good or bad. You know, it's something that I'm trying to keep up with. But I can say that uh, some of the most amazing
0: opportunities
1: for me have happened when I actually showed up, you know, in person.
0: Hmm. I think that's great advice um, showing up in person, showing up to do the work, uh, being present for sure. So uh, yeah. what do you, what do you have going on right now?
1: <clears throat> Man, what do I have going on right now? Uh, there's a book that I illustrated in 2017 called Bow Wow, Pow wow. And uh, I've been kind of putting it off a little bit, but I finally started the illustrations for the sequel, the follow-up to that story, um, which follows the main character into a whole other adventure. It's aimed at children, families. Uh, Right now, I'm working on the pencil drawings for those, which later I'll go back and uh, work on digitally on my iPad. Um, I have some uh, mural work you know, that is uh, more like installation work because it'll be created off-site and then transported to the site. Uh, So it's three murals that are going into an educational institute here in Duluth. Um, Really looking forward to starting that. And uh, I got a McKnight Fellowship in um, 2022. So there are some things coming up that, uh, you know, like studio visits, uh, stuff like that, you know, which sort of keep me busy in my studio practice. Cause you know, I want to have, I definitely want to keep active in that during this fellowship. Um, and then at the end of the year, there'll be some exhibits that, uh, one or two, definitely one solo exhibit and one group show down at the University of Minnesota that uh, I'll be a part of. So I'll need some fresh paintings for that. Outside of that, you know, throughout the year, I usually uh, do a series of workshops and, um, you know, speaking events and stuff about my work. Oh, nice. Um,
0: where do those workshops normally take place?
1: Well, a lot of times they used to take place in person. Uh, more, more so than ever, they're taking place on Zoom. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, for example... Uh, they uh, I think it was, uh, Saginaw, you know, they hired me to basically just give kind of a lecture on what it looks like to work as a, as a, an artist who, you know, you're sort of sustaining yourself through your artwork, what kind of decisions you can make in order to make that happen. You kind of have to walk the line. You know what I mean? Like for me, uh, it was really interesting because it's something that I struggle with. I I was listening to your podcast uh, prior to recording this podcast with you. And I remember um, seeing that America Meredith had did uh, an interview with you. And I I really wanted to hear what she had to say. And it was fun to listen to her talk about this sort of elite uh, way of thinking as an artist where she was at an event with somebody and the person said, oh, these are for artists that want to sell their work, you know, like that's sort sort of something to be kind of frowned upon or something like that, you know, and I get that, right? You know, I get that there's like art that tells stories, there's art that is uh, activism. Um, And then you have like your gift shop art, you know, it's like a chickadee, you know, sitting on a birch bark branch or something in the gift shop down in canal park for you know 39.99 or something like that Mm -hmm. right so there's everything in between and uh for me I would say that uh you know throughout the year I work on artwork that I I, you know I I think is just it's me trying to say something or tell a story and I I don't really have a plan that uh that piece of work will uh do anything other than you know serve its purpose <clears throat> and then there are times you know where I'm, I'm creating artwork that will definitely you know like appeal to a broad audience you know and uh, a lot of times that's what keeps the light on you know it keeps uh the espresso flowing it uh keeps gas in the tank um a friend of mine uh called uh called them the bread and butter paintings
0: oh yeah yeah
1: you know um yeah, my buddy, Jim Denemy, who uh, he recently passed, he would, he, we, him and I would talk about painting, you know, for hours sometimes. And, uh, you know, he, he would do a lot with his work as far as like telling, you know, to our stories. And uh, he would also do what he called the bread and butter paintings. And I remember uh, Gordon Coons, uh, who took me kind of like under his wing as a business sort of apprentice uh, almost 20 years ago now. He would always say uh you know john uh these paintings are great but uh you should probably you know make one for yourself and make one for them and make one for yourself and then make two for them and then you'll be able to support yourself and uh that's something i struggled with but it makes perfect sense once you start <laughs> you have rent to pay and you know car payment and stuff like that
0: uh you know uh jim then i mean i really wanted him on this podcast uh i was i was trying real hard uh to to get him on and of course you know unfortunately we just ran out of time Uh, and i'm sorry for for your loss uh he was he was an amazing individual and hilarious uh the 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 way he he spoke through his work um i really connected with what he was saying you know and uh sometimes his work just made me laugh, you know, what he was trying to like, just say through his work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Powerful artist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He definitely, he definitely made an impact in this, in this world. That's, that's for sure.
0: Absolutely. Uh, one of my mentors, um, Robert Penn, uh, he, he's been gone 20, 20 some years now. Uh, some of his work uh, kind of in the same theme um, he would call it uh, July's rent. You know, um, that kind of thing, you know, (laughs) it was just work that, uh, yeah. Um, sometimes you just have to pay those bills, you know?
1: Yeah. Why, why sugarcoat it? Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to.
0: They had a retrospective of him, uh, a year ago. And there was mixed in some of his iconic work with some of those pieces too. And of course, having the insight that I had, uh, it just brought back, uh, I was just kind of laughing at some of those works, you know, cause those, and there were beautiful works. Like, don't get me wrong. He never, uh, shortcut, um, any of the stuff, but you know, um, uh, each piece has its purpose.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I think it goes back to, um, just being truthful. You know, I, I think each artist is going to make something that is their truth. And if it's not their truth, then it's going to show, um, no matter, uh, I think how, if I, you know, if I, if I tried to paint something that wasn't from my heart, uh, it would probably look, you know, pretty strange. And luckily I don't have to take those kinds of commissions anymore but even the most kind of cryptic intuitive uh dreamscape uh oriented body of work you know nowadays has something in it that's worth value you know it says something it's hard to
0: avoid yeah so that being said uh where can our listener find your work be able to connect with what you're doing
1: uh right now i guess um I've been doing a lot of Instagram posts, trying to uh, keep pretty active on there. Uh, I was off Facebook for a while, but uh, I started up an account about a year ago, and that's going pretty well. Um, Just don't read the comments. That's the only uh, (laughs) secret to Facebook. Um, And I'm kind of transitioning from my old WordPress site, thunderfineart.com to uh, johnthunder.com, which is much easier to remember. Um, That old site was kind of built when I just wanted to show work, Uh, you know, like here's what I painted this month or whatever. The new website is gonna be geared more towards, I guess, uh, a person who's visiting it, not only to be able to look at the site, Look at the work, but able to click on a canvas and look at pictures of that canvas and shop digitally, um, and possibly buy either an original or a print, or at least find out you know how much it costs to do that. I think that's one thing that I've learned in you know the last couple of years with everything that's happened during the pandemic is that uh, you know it's it's good to uh, have a strong online presence if that's your business. And I, you know, it's funny because it just seems like more and more people are just buying art online.
0: Yeah, I think uh, access is, is much better than what it used to be. We'll, we'll put links in the show notes um, to, uh, to your website and to um, your social media so our listener can connect with your work. Thank you. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This was really great. It was be able to, It was really great to connect with you.
1: <laughs> yeah thanks for having me on you know I uh, I know I got on a couple rants there but uh, you know I guess uh, that's that's what I have today
0: that's great <laughs> that's great it's always great to chat with a fellow film geek you know, we definitely need more of those on this program well that does it for this episode of 5 Plain Questions I want to thank Jonathan again for his time in sharing his story with us uh, it, it's it's always a pleasure to be able to speak with someone who uh understands film who really loves that craft um i i always enjoy those conversations uh and of course jonathan who is sort of in my neck of the woods uh up here in our region um that's really exciting uh truth be told um i've been following his work for a long time and i've really wanted him on this this program uh it just finally was time for for this to happen and i couldn't be happier uh, that he's a part of this this podcast so Jonathan thank you for that uh hope to, to chat with you very soon i also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what i feel is a very important story and perspective from our community so please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person i'm joe blames you can find me on facebook at uh, i think it's the Can i think it's still the old name canna uh, page on facebook uh, we're on instagram as five plain questions also on twitter and also at the plainsart.org website there you can uh, see our programming our past videos and these podcasts and if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview please uh, look me up on facebook or message me from the website i would love to hear from you well that's it you take care and we will see you next week This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.